0: KYW original podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in.
1: I'm Matt Leon, and this is one on one. I was active duty still. And essentially everywhere I moved, I did something hockey related. In fact, in Germany, I coached at the highest level for women's hockey. And it got to the point where I need a break. We were watching a Steelers game on American forces network at work. And, uh, Oswell missed two kicks, but I bet I could do that. And our guest this week is
0: Cole Klubeck. He is the kicker-punter for Division II Lincoln University college football team. And uh, really, first of all, Cole, thanks for coming in. And I said this to you off the air, we're going to get into everything, obviously, but you know, our tagline, our for the podcast is conversations with people you should know more about and I almost feel like you're the human embodiment of that so thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Let's just start quick football as we're talking here uh the season's getting ready to start uh, a little more than a week uh, how excited are you this will be your final year of playing football?
1: Very excited it's always fun going uh and competing with my team especially as you start out as a fan for the first 10 years and you're like you know what I'm gonna play college football at 28 and now I'm 29 so no, it's the last ride, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it.
0: Now, you say you're 29. Now, right there, that's, a I think, a head turner for anybody that follows college football to have somebody uh, older like that. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about the journey. You grew up in Mississippi. Yes, sir. Eventually moved outside of Buffalo, correct? correct. in correct. In, in that area. Both your parents were Air Force or were military? Air Force. Air Force. So... You decide to go into the Air Force, and you spend 10 years. Talk to me. Let's start with that, with the decision to go into the Air Force. Was that always the plan, or was that something you kind of looked around and said, I need to, I need to take the next step, and that's going to be it?
1: It was not the plan. Uh, I was working at a pizzeria in Buffalo. Buffalo is well known for the pizza and wings, and um, I just had enough of it. I mean, that's not what I want to do the rest of my life, and I knew I needed some discipline no matter how good my parents raised me. There's always room for more. And I figured if they could do it, I could do it as well. So I enlisted in the Air Force. I signed up right before I turned 18. I left two months after turning 18 and then spent 10 years as a weather forecaster in the Air Force. So
0: where did you do basic training? Where did you start?
1: Uh, Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. And then from there, I was stationed in Barksdale, which is Shreveport, Louisiana. From there, I deployed to Iraq in 2010, 2011. With the with the U- the U.S. Army actually, not the Air Force, so that was nice to get um, a different perspective on the military life. And then I came back with stationed in Columbus, Mississippi, right outside Mississippi State University. And from there, PCS to Germany, where I spent December 2013 to December 2016. And then my last assignment was right up about an hour outside Kansas City, Missouri. And it's
0: funny, you mentioned all these towns, and I feel like we're going to weave the tapestry of all these <laughs> travels, and they're all going to kind of pop up in, in different places. So when you enlist in the Air Force, are you thinking, you mentioned you spent time in Iraq. Are you going in thinking that's going to happen, or at that young age, are you not kind of cognizant of the possibilities of, of where it could send
1: you? Uh, I think because of my parents' background, I knew where it could send me. Um, I was also naive and a little giddy to get the opportunity to deploy. I mean, if you're training your whole life to do something, you might as well go do it. And I was fortunate enough to get the chance to go, and I did my time. So let's talk about Iraq. What, When you learn you're going,
0: what goes through your head? Because this is 2010, right? So yes, sir. we're well past the, the fall of Saddam Hussein, but it's by no means a obviously a stable situation. So when you first learn, is that something, and this shows how little I know about the mil. is this something where you show up one day and they say you're going, or is this something you're, you kind of get a feel for this is the direction it's heading?
1: For me personally, uh, I had told my leadership that I was interested in deploying. And initially I was tasked to go to Afghanistan that December and something came up with another airman who um, couldn't go to Iraq. And they said, can you go two months earlier and go to a different country? So I had to learn all new weather patterns and everything for a different location in the Middle East from what I was studying all summer to go to Afghanistan. Uh, I had to go to a month of training with the Army down in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, to get used to all their mission and how to fire their weapons and things like that. And then I had to go to Washington for a survival school for a week, and then the Washington State, and then came back. And after that, it was just studying and preparing to go. I had to go down to Texas and learn how to talk to army helicopter pilots and get the weather out to them under two minutes and you know it was uh it was kind of chaotic summer leading up to the deployment so I knew for a few months going into it that uh, it was going to be me and you mentioned survival school that
0: jumped out of me that sounds very foreboding what what is survival school
1: uh it's actually a classified. You can't talk about the class itself like what we're actually taught, but it's called uh, ECAC, is what it's called, E-C-A-C. But the stuff that we learn inside it, we're actually not allowed to talk about. Okay.
0: That makes it even more. I'm I'm, I'm sorry to (laughs) disappoint everybody there, but
1: uh, all my Air Force brethren know exactly what that is. Being deployed to Iraq, as much as you
0: prepare and study, I would imagine it is something that no amount of preparation can truly Prepare you for what you're getting into, or am I overstating?
1: No, I, again, I think you're right. I was young and naive, and I didn't know really what to expect. I just knew I was getting to go. And actually, my first day in Iraq was my 21st birthday, not where you want to be celebrating your 21st birthday. um And as a quick turnover, you're there, you replace the people that were there the previous six months, you get three to four days if you're lucky with them, and then they're gone. It's just you. So that was it was intimidating. And I remember my first uh, helicopter flight, I got to go out to another base. It was called Ramadi. And I remember I didn't take my M4 with me. I just took a pistol. Again, naive, because if something would have happened, we've, I would have been uh, SOL. Was that your first... What was your first,
0: I am not in the U.S. or I am not in my <laughs> comfort zone... What, was that right away? What what's it? Do you remember that first moment when being in a rock smacked
1: you in the face? <laughs> I do. Uh, also, my 21st birthday, there was a loud siren that went off. And my the guy I was replacing, um, I looked at him and I said, what's that sound? And he said, what? And he literally turned up his hearing aid. And he goes, oh, I haven't heard that in months. I said, okay, well, what is it? And he said, well, that's the incoming siren. We've got uh, incoming rockets. And I said, Oh great. <laughs> and that was within the first 24 hours. I was like, great.
0: Were you scared or just kind of At them, swimming in everything?
1: It's kind of funny. Anybody that deploys will tell you the first time uh, you're a little nervous. And then by the second or third week, you're just like, whatever. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not really going to move, which is terrible advice. <laughs> but there was days where you'd hear it and you'd be in the middle of your sleep and you're like. No, I'm not, I'm not getting out of my bed for this. (laughs) So overall, how do you, you know, when you look at,
0: how long were you in Iraq? Less than a year, right? Correct. It was 210 days. Okay. So by the end, are you just, I've got to get out of here or are you more, do you adapt to, you know, this is life and it is what it is. How did you kind of go through it mentally, emotionally and such? I think with
1: with anything, you're going to have ups and downs. I mean, even with college football, there's ups and downs. So the longer you're out of place and you're working seven straight days. So the entire time I was there, I was working and it was a eight to ten hour shift. Um, but there's little morale events that go on like we would have famous celebrities come over. I got to meet Robin Williams. That's like a highlight of my tour. Um, so it, that little stuff keeps you going. But by the end of it, you, you're ready to go home. You want real food
0: <laughs> and you meant so you you were a weather forecaster right so what went into that i mean we know the meteorologists we see on tv i'm guessing you go maybe a few levels beyond <laughs> that uh but explain and how did was this something that had always interested you and once you got in or was this something you got into the military and they say guess what this is what we need and this is where you're going
1: so when I enlisted, they, they were giving us a list of jobs, and I saw where the job training centers were. And uh, for weather, it was Biloxi, Mississippi, where I spent first through ninth grade. And I said, that's seven months back in my hometown. I will gladly take this job. I didn't really know anything about weather. Uh, I knew weather was important because, I mean, we had Hurricane Katrina roll through in 2005. And uh, we I saw the devastation that it had on the coast, and— There were some other ones, like when my sister was an infant, we had Hurricane George roll through. So I, in my head, was like, oh, I'm going to go be a hurricane tracker. That's going to be my job. That was not my job. Um, I learned seven months in the schoolhouse, you know, basic weather patterns, weather formations, how it moves and things like that and how to track it. And then you spend a good year, year and a half on the job training. And that was in Shreveport. And it's a, a little bit more in-depth than um, the TV I would say so. Uh, we have to know exactly where cloud bases are, cloud tops are, and that's all for the pilot. So uh, things like that.
0: So what would be your day? You mentioned eight, ten hours, seven days a week. Are you basically just crunching information and pushing it out to the people that it needs to go?
1: While I was deployed, or yeah. while I was side. so while I was deployed, uh, a lot of it had to do with ongoing missions. So a lot of it, especially over there, if you get a change of wind, you're going to get a dust storm, and then um, the longer you're over there, the m- the more you realize that the different colored dust is going to tell you how long it's actually going to last because you'll figure out where it came from. So if I've got winds coming from the northwest and I've got some orange dust, it's going to last two to three days which means nobody wants to be walking around breathing orange dust for 2 or 3 days. Uh but a typical day it's a lot of computer work which doesn't sound really all that fun but and it's just tracking the
0: the weather. So you mentioned the the moment when the siren goes off with the incoming, you mentioned the helicopter ride where you you know you could have been in trouble. Were there any moments where uh, the the fighting I mean, really came to your front step, or did or did you avoid any big conflict?
1: Thankfully for us, um, our compound was so large that it didn't come to our front door. Uh, now, obviously, downtown Baghdad's a different story, or right outside Ramadi's a different story. When we were there, uh, there was a few explosions, and uh, I believe they were blown up. It was oil transport vehicles, things like that. So... Fortunately for me, uh, I never really came to the front door per se.
0: Did you have a lot of interaction with the Iraqi people?
1: Actually, yeah. Uh, well, not the Iraqi civilians, but we did have uh, an Iraqi special forces unit that was on our compound. And we got to build them a playground for their children. And I got to play soccer with, with their youth. And to me, that was that's something I'll never forget. Um, and unfortunately, you know, looking back on it, it's a decade later now, and you wonder if those children are still alive and that's something that resonates with me still.
0: How was the transition coming back from Iraq
1: for you as a twenty one year old who wasn't drinking for six months it was uh it was a little wild ride <laughs> I got a little out of control there um I got to stop in Nashville. I got to see the Predators play the Canucks in a playoff game on my way home. And then I stopped in Columbus. I went to the Buckeye Hall of Fame and got to eat there and went home, surprised my mom. It was two days earlier, and this was before, like, actual iPhones and everything. So it wasn't a huge, oh, I'm going to make a video of it like you see the ones now. Those, Those still tear me up because I remember surprising my mom at her work. And uh, she was floored. She was, you're not supposed to be here for two more days. And I said, well, I'm here now. What are you going to do about it?
0: <laughs> so eventually you went to, you were then deployed to Germany. And this was for like three years.
1: Yeah. So Germany now is it's just an assignment. It's not really a deployment. Um, I was doing weather for the Air Force, the Navy. And I was doing it for Europe, parts of the Middle East, and parts of Africa.
0: And we were talking before, you really liked your time in Germany.
1: I love Germany. If I could move back and never come back, I would. Um, it was just amazing. Once you're in Europe, how cheap it is to travel and to see all that history. Uh, my wife and I, we've been together to about 15 countries, and me personally, I've been to 20. So if I could keep crossing off countries with Earth, then I'm good to go.
0: And one last... We I kind of mentioned this, but there was a picture of you in Iraq in Saddam Hussein's, one of, I'm sure, Saddam Hussein's throne. What's the backstory of that?
1: Uh, it's actually in his daughter's, well, was in his daughter's palace uh, on the Air Force side. And that's where all of our leadership or my leadership was at for the Air Force. So anytime we had to go over to go see an Air Force leader for something, uh, in fact, I was over there getting an award for being a forecaster of the month or something like that. And uh, they said, hey, have you taken a tour of this place yet? I said, no, I haven't. And they said, well, you got to go see his golden toilet and his golden bathroom and all the marble in the place was just amazing. And the chandelier he had was incredible. And this was all for his daughter. And they had his throne from his palace, I guess, it was in there or something. I don't know the exact backstory." They're like, yeah, you can have your picture taken in there. I like, well, if I'm here, I'm going to do it. Because <laughs> uh, picture speaks louder than just saying, yeah, I did it. Yeah.
0: So it's interesting. We've talked. We've already talked for 15 minutes, and we haven't really talked athletics at all. Were sports growing up always a,
1: a part of your life? Were you a, a big athlete as a, as a kid and into high school? Uh if by big you mean amazing, then no. <laughs> but I was an average athlete. I play everything but tennis, uh, even to this day. And it's not that I don't like tennis. I love watching tennis. I'm just not good at it. Um but I grew up playing soccer in Biloxi and I played baseball in New York and football in Biloxi. And you know, everywhere we moved I played something. And then I ended up coaching hockey and playing hockey and and then reversing those as well again. So Sports has always been a big part of my life, and with my seven-year-old son, it, I'm already starting to see exactly how I was and why it drove my parents crazy, because my parents really weren't the sports type. They were more you know, focused on school. So.
0: But for someone who's now playing college football, from what I read, it sounds like football was not at the top of the depth chart. In fact, you only played it in high school as a freshman. Am I correct? correct? Yeah. So... Where does, you know, because this is what's so fascinating about you. There's so many layers to this. So we talk about a 10-year military career. Football was, you, you know, you were not a superstar high school football player that went to military. Where does kicking and punting and the idea of pursuing this, you know, at the collegiate level,
1: weave that into the story here? So, like I said, I played hockey growing up. And when I got to Shreveport, I started coaching Uh, High school age and middle school age hockey. And then when I got to Mississippi State, I actually ran the program for them because my friend said, Hey, look, we're about to fold. Is there anything you can do to help us?
0: And was this a a varsity or is this a club program?
1: It's ACHA. Okay. And um, I said, Yeah, you know, I've got free time, which I didn't because (laughs) I was active duty still. And uh, so. Essentially, everywhere I moved, I did something hockey-related. In fact, in Germany, I I coached at the highest level for women's hockey. And uh, after that season, I said, you know what? I need a break Uh, because I was kind of burnt out. I was having to drive an hour and a half to go coach a practice that was two hours long and drive an hour and a half back. And our trips throughout Germany, while they were wonderful and moments I'll never forget, it got to the point where... I needed sleep, and I was actually diagnosed with sleep apnea that year, and so I really needed sleep. And uh, we were watching a Steelers game on American Forces Network at work, and uh, Boswell missed two kicks. I said, I bet I could do that. Little did I know that it was going to lead to me putting a bunch of videos on YouTube and trying to get recruited, and now here I am at Lincoln.
0: So you'd watch that Steelers game. You know, where do you start? Do you just go out in a yard and just start so blasting we, away?
1: We had a, a I won't say a good field, but we had a, a grass field on base, and it had uprights for it because the local uh, military high school used to use it as a practice facility. Now they have a nice turf field. And and there, um, once again, just was this Germany? It was. Okay. And I went out there. It was 2 o'clock in the morning because I worked night shift. I love working nights. And at two o'clock in the morning, I said, all right, well, I'm gonna take my PT break. And all I did was I took my two footballs that I had and I bought one of those little plastic tees and I went out and just started kicking. And I never would have imagined that I'd be playing college football at 29 or even at 28 last year, the first year. But uh, when, when you grow up and you're such a huge fan of sports and you're watching all these athletes on TV, you're like, yeah, I could do that. It's not easy.
0: When did it hit you, the, oh boy, this isn't as easy as I, I thought it would be? Was it like right away? Did you shank the first couple and you're like, okay?
1: It actually had nothing to do with kicking. Uh, my first spring was the spring of 2018. and our first practice, I remember we were doing uh, conditioning stuff in the gym because it was raining so hard. And I was with the O-line, D-line because I'm not going to lie, towards the end of my career I was a little out of shape. And I remember the O-line coach, Coach Scott, looking at me Like, why are you struggling so much? You need to push through this. And I remember getting through it, but at the same time being like, is this what I want to (laughs) do? And we have to take
0: a break right now on one-on-one. We will have more with Lincoln University's Cole Klubeck right after this. When we're out of time to give you the backstory, there's Scroll Down, the new podcast from KYW. Quality pre-K programs, not just ones that provide daycare. Case is, is three years old now, but we have not forgotten.
1: And at the very end, I gave her a hug. I was in tears, and she whispered in my ear, everything I told you, it was a thousand times worse. What you didn't hear on air from the KYW team ready to tell all. Search Scroll Down on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
0: And we're back here on One on One. Our guest this week, Lincoln University kicker, Punter Cole Klubeck. It starts watching the game. How do you get to Lincoln? So you mentioned, let's put it in perspective. I'm going to, I can do that. You go out, by the tea, and you start kicking. So this is 2016, 2017, around there? 2017, 2017. 2017. Was the plan always to go to college once your military days were? Forget football, but just was that... Had that always been in the plan for you?
1: Yes. Uh, Initially, it was going to be after my sixth year in the military. I was going to leave after my first enlistment, but I had my son, and military healthcare system is a a lot more affordable than the civilian side, so I enlisted for another four. So going to college was always going to be on the plate. College football had nothing to do with it. Uh, Thankfully, Lincoln had a coach, Coach London, who was an Air Force vet as well, so I knew that if anybody could understand what I was gonna be going through, he would and it was a big selling point for Lincoln for me.
0: So do you have a tryout to kick? Do they bring you sight unseen? How does you know the, the college, the kicking and the foot and football? how does it all come together?
1: There's a lot of YouTube videos that I would have to send him uh, showing him that you know I was working actively on my craft and then uh, while I was stationed in Missouri, my last assignment, I played flag football for the squadron. I was literally just there to kick a ball. Uh, so I sent them videos from our flag football games and was like, look, I, I can do this kind of. you know, Is it good enough for your school? And they had a game, fortunately, an hour away in Missouri against Lincoln, Missouri. Right, right, right. And that's where I met them in person. And at that point, they had one punter, and then a, a, he was also place kicking, and then a red shirt. And by the time I showed up at Lincoln... The punter had transferred to Texas Tech. And I'm not sure what happened to the red shirt. So it was just me. Lincoln is
0: a historically black college. You're a white man. Did that present any challenges? And let me also catch that by saying, was the any challenges racially or more challenges? Because you're 29 going to college with kids 9, 10 years younger than you.
1: I don't know if, if challenges is the word. Um, I will say I was nervous when I showed up to Lincoln because I didn't know what to expect. Uh, the only other time I was a minority was in Iraq, and even then you're surrounded by thousands of Americans who are wearing the same uniform you are. And so when I showed up to Lincoln, I, I was nervous, and I didn't know what to expect. And within the first week, I completely forgot that I was a minority and that's not saying I'm, I don't see color because that would just be ignorant to say, but at the same time, you know, everybody wants to be loved and I really get that family feeling at Lincoln.
0: I read, and I think it was something you posted that a lot of the strong figures in your life were are African American men and women. And that it seemed like there were a lot of, for lack of a better term, like pressure points in your life, like where African-American people stepped up and helped you or were there for you or you were you were there for them. Kind of talk about that those relationships and how they've helped shape you.
1: Uh, well, for starters, I had a supervisor in Columbus, Mississippi. Where I found out that I was going to be a father um, having a child out of wedlock with somebody I really didn't know that well. He stepped up and was like, look, this is all the stuff you're going to be going through uh, because he had a child already at that point And, you know, if there was any sort of slack I was getting from the upper management, he was always there for me. And to this day, we keep in contact. And I I can honestly say I love that guy. From there, um, in Germany, there was a situation where one of my coworkers um, essentially became homeless. And the Air Force, our leadership, didn't really know the whole story of what was going on and what they were kind of doing to make him get to this point. So I said, well, why don't you come live with me? And he, he did. And we really didn't know each other all that well. And by the time he left, I consider him family to this day. In fact, he stopped by last month on his way back from DC up to Massachusetts where he lives. And I got to see him again. I got to see him in Connecticut last year when we played central Connecticut state. Uh, I had two Instructors down at tech school, we were watching videos of about Hurricane Katrina, and of course, naturally, that's going to get an emotional uh, reaction out of me. And they couldn't figure out why. And I finally told them, and then they took care of me like sisters. And I still talk to them to this day. And this is twelve years later now. So, I I just looked back at every time that I needed something, there was there was always um, just. Somebody that was there to help. And I wanted to give back to them.
0: So you go to Lincoln, you're playing football. Do you remember your first time on the field in a game? And is it excitement? Is it nervousness? Is it what the hell am I doing? How what is going through your mind? <laughs> And what was Was it
1: a kickoff or was it, it, it a? Was, it was the opening kickoff. It was against Fayetteville State. And I was joking around with the trainers beforehand because when you're this old, you have to take care of your, your body because it's just not what it should be doing. And I said, it would be funny if I have to make a tackle this year. The very first kickoff, I had to push the guy out of bounds. And I remember getting up and I was like, like you said, what am I doing? <laughs> um, it's a lot different. On skates, when you hit somebody, I'm a little bit faster on skates. I'm really slow as a runner, so that was just ugly. And then I got all excited because I was like, oh, that's going to be in the film. That's going to be in the film. Well, in film, all you see is a huddle of bodies. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even get to share that. <laughs> but uh, as it as it progressed, it, it quickly became, um, this is where I want to be, and this is what I'm doing. And then going into the 2019 season, it's more of, well, okay, I played, but now I want to make it mine. So I've spent the, this whole year working on getting better where I will, from where I was in 2018.
0: And as we're talking, you're going into the season. Can you, how different or how much better do you feel you are from now from, say, early November at the end of 2018 season?
1: I kind of don't want to give that one away. Okay. Um, but do you feel like, I feel do like you I, look back at stuff and go, wow? There's days where I will punt a ball and I will forget that eventually I might have to start chasing down the tackler or the ball carrier um, because I still can't believe that I'm the one kicking that ball. And it sounds super conceited to say, but at the same time, I never pictured myself in this position in the first place. And now to be doing it, it's like, wow, I just did that. And that's that's a feeling that I haven't experienced with anything else. So we talked
0: about so much, and I kind of mentioned this earlier. Are there... Being 29 and playing with 19, 20, uh, it doesn't sound like you would have any problems connecting. But are there moments aside from the physical that you're like, "Man, I'm old." Like where every you're every day. Ju-
1: <laughs> every day. Um, my I've got one teammate from downtown Philly. He calls me Kratos, which is a, a god of war reference, and I had to look up what it was. And he's like, "Yeah, you're just old, and you look like Kratos." And I was like. I don't know what that means. Uh, I had a couple guys last year. They would call me uncle. Um, some people this year came in. And, of course, it's always the freshmen. They're like, there's no way you're a player, you're a coach, you're a professor, you're you're something else. And uh, we were actually checking in the first day of camp a few weeks ago. And this kid I had never met was like, oh, aren't you the athletic trainer? I said, nope, I'm your punter. <laughs> and his mom just looked up at me, and I kind of looked at her, and she was like, okay. <laughs> But, yeah, there's – being the old guy, it, it's uh, it's different. You know, there's days where it doesn't bother you and then there's days where I have to take my hat off to walk inside a building and then it's like, oh, yeah, you're really old. You're super bald, so you can't really hide it at that point.
0: Um, Do you get any razzing for your age from opponents? Does Do anybody <laughs> know that, you know, this guy's almost 30 and stuff like that? Have you had anybody uh, –
1: our conference wasn't that bad. Uh, the worst was at central Connecticut state naturally to FCS school and, uh, their fans sat on our side like any good student section would. And I remember hearing, Oh my God, where did your hair go? 88. And I just started laughing. I was like, that was a good one. What do I say to that? I was like, I don't say anything. And, uh, our strength and conditioning coach was like, don't listen to them, don't listen to them. I was like, but that was a good one. <laughs> like, I'm not even mad about it. Uh, they were they were by far the worst. Thankfully, by the second half, they kind of toned it down. Uh, but otherwise, no. I mean, you'll get looks, obviously. Right. Especially when you walk around and like you're know, the old white guy with a big beard. It's kind of the non-traditional student. Uh, you're going to get looks. Uh, I will say I've made some good connections with other specialists throughout our conference. So I'm sure if their teammates said anything, I would hope that they would put them in check. What's your favorite part of
0: the football experience? I mean, and I'm encompassing, you know, relationships with teammates, preparation, adrenaline of game day. If you had to list them, what would be, you know, one, two on the list?
1: I think one would be the relationships because that's what I wanted you know, when you leave the military, you're leaving a family, and I got a family at Lincoln now, uh, and it's kind of the same verbiage that we had in the military. You know, there's a mission, there's a plan, there's execution. So there's there's things that correlate that help me. And then the second one, I think it would be the traveling, uh, because like I said, I've I've been to 20 countries, and you know, traveling is always fun. So anytime I get to go visit a place in the U.S. that I've never been and be with the people that I like to be with, then it makes it all that much better.
0: What is your relationship with the the coaching staff? And I mean that from a being an older and you're probably I would imagine there's a couple guys on staff that are your age, mm-hmm. you know, is there more of a hey, he knows what to do, he'll he'll figure it out. Like what's the dynamic like from that standpoint?
1: I would say it changed uh last semester or the first semester I had here was the spring semester, and I was not in the best shape, and I was injured. I had some leg issues going on, and I kind of felt like uh, I won't say they were wasting my time or I was wasting my time, but it wasn't what I pictured it being. I didn't really know what spring football was all about, but all I knew was I wanted to play in that spring game, but we weren't going to do special teams. Uh, so that, that kind of hurt. and When I came back in the fall, we started to really build our relationship, and by the end of it, I was a team captain. And I think now it's to the point where he knows what he's doing, but they also brought in a special teams coach uh, who used to be a special teams coach at San Diego State, used to be a head coach at Kentucky State. And to have somebody with that much knowledge that I can go pick his brain now and really help me get to where I want to be, it's amazing. Because last year um, – it was just kind of, hey, go kick for three hours. And now it's, no, this is what you're doing. It's a detailed list. And I love having that experience with me now.
0: So you punt, you place kick, and you do kickoff. And I think one thing people don't appreciate is the nuance. Like it isn't just go kick. it. The, the nuance and place kicking, much different than kicking off. What do you feel, if you had to rank the three, what do, what do you feel is you're the best at?
1: initially um, when I was selling myself I was selling myself as a kicker and now I'm definitely much more of a punter and I never saw the glory in being a punter it doesn't show up on the scoreboard right Uh, and the more we had a lot of punts last year over 70 so I was like well I I really need to get better at punting and now I'm kind of selling myself as a punter and I I see the, the glory in it if you will um, kickoffs are still just, I don't know <laughs> if it's cause I'm so old or if I started doing this so late, but kickoffs and me, we just don't get along and it doesn't matter how much work I put into it. I know exactly where it's going. I know exactly how long it's going to be in the air, but it doesn't change.
0: Interesting. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about kicking from day from that day in Germany to now?
1: Uh, the biggest lesson I've learned is that, <laughs> it's so cliche, but there's a hashtag for it. It's called kickers or people too. <laughs> um, you know, you kind of, oh, they have one job. They have one job. And like I said, going from a fan to actually doing it. Yeah, they have one job, but it is not an easy job. And it doesn't matter how much pressure you do have or you don't have. It's the same kick. And I actually had another kicker tell me that. He's like, it's always the same kick no matter where you're at. And that's been the biggest lesson I've learned.
0: So we talked about the dynamics, you know, age difference and such. How does your military background translate? Not so much. I mean, to football, and you mentioned the family and stuff like that. But to the college experience as well. Like, uh, are you, you able to impart things on on kids and stuff like that? That that maybe the the average person doesn't have the experience with, how does, what's that dynamic like?
1: Well, it's multifaceted because again, I'm the old guy on campus. So, and I've got all this experience. So anytime we're in a class, like I remember, uh, I had a participation in government class. and I love politics. So we, we would always have debates in that class and we would always explain different viewpoints and why every viewpoint matters and trying to explain that there's more than, two political parties in the United States. Uh, that's always fun. And then there was another one it was kind of like a sociology class. So anytime at, looking back on it, I know why he was doing it, but the professor anytime there was a race question would come up, he'd be like, "Cole, what's your take on this?" It's like, "All right, well, here we go again." Um so I I really get to share my experience and that's That's why I came to an HBCU was I wanted to give back and I wanted to, you know, show them that there's people that look like me that care about them. And that's, especially growing up from Mississippi and my wife's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So for the two of us to be here, showing them that, you know, not everybody in the Southeast is a terrible individual.
0: So we were talking, you meant you're majoring in English. Yes, sir. Um, Whenever football is done what's next i mean we in a perfect world if you could choose your path and what you wanted to pursue what do you want to do
1: uh there's two different paths right now kind of laid in front of me one would be teaching high school english in the uh uh, department of defense education setting uh preferably back in germany because that's the end goal is to get back to germany or europe at least the other one is uh academic advising everybody's Almost everybody's seen Last Chance You now, and Miss Wagner. I thought her job was super cool. How she got to work with athletics and work with academics, and coming from somebody who was not good in high school to now, I just had a four zero last semester, and I'm sitting at a three five overall. Uh, I want to be able to tell them, look, you can do this, not just with athletics, but I also have a family. So if I can do it with athletics and a family, you can at least do it with just athletics
0: if we go back in time and I pull 17 year old Cole Klubeck aside and say, here's how it's going to go for the next 12, 13 years. Are you like, Oh, that's interesting. Are you like, "Ah, that's no chance. Uh, what, what do you think would be reaction to the, to how the, the journey your life's taken here?
1: Wow. Um, I don't think I would believe it. I mean, I'd, I'm here now and I don't believe it. So a 17-year-old me would have thought you were crazy, for sure.
0: What are you, you've accomplished so much, you've seen so much, you've met so many different types of people. What are you most proud of at this point in in your life?
1: My family. I mean, in the end, that's, that's everything. So, I mean, to have a wife that, I love unconditionally and to have a son that I love unconditionally and I'd I'd be in trouble if I didn't mention the dog too. If I have a dog you know um, to have that that's that's what I'm most proud of. Everything else is just extra. And as far as the football
0: if things go well this year would you be interested in seeing if there's a, a next level for that or do you think once the college days are over that's it?
1: Unfortunately for me I'm very realistic and Ten years of military will do that. Uh, I don't see an avenue for it, but if there's a pro team out there that wants to invite me to a camp and make me run sprints all day, I'll gladly do it to tell my son, "Hey, I I was there, I did this." Uh, but realistically, I like I've been on the same field as Jacob Shum, who's still a free agent, and he used to play for the Packers. And watching him punt is just miraculous. So I I know there's this is it. There's no next step for me.
0: Cole Klubeck, thanks so much for stopping in. I really enjoyed this. Thanks. And that will do it for this week's show. One on One is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod. And you can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much to Lincoln University's Cole Klubeck for joining us this week you can follow cole on twitter at Klubeck cole my name is matt leon come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about